0: this is a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station this Bfm budget 2024 special is brought to you by Masing. hello and welcome to health and living with me Lim Su and it is um, on the show today we are talking about budget 2024 now the Ministry of Health has received um, 41.2 billion allocation under the budget this is a 13.5 percent increase from budget 2023's allocation of 36.3 billion and it marks the biggest percentage of increase for mohs budget since 2014 um, it's also the biggest increase of allocation among all Ministries in this upcoming budget so we want to find out how does this 41.2 billion breakdown what tone does the budget set for the health reform agenda that's outlined in the health white paper as well so to do that joining me on the show today um, via Zoom is Professor to Dr Said Mohamed al Professor of Health Economics, Policy and Management at IMU. He's also on the EXCO of the Public Health Specialist Association of Malaysia. Prof Syed, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Uh, thank you also. Um, I hope that um, I'll be able to contribute, although I'm out, outside Malaysia at the moment.
0: Yes, and, and, and,
1: um,
0: <laughs> yes, and for that we're okay, very I- grateful I- for you to sh- join us. Um so for our listeners out there, you can share your thoughts with us if you'd like. You can call us at 2900. You can WhatsApp our U Mobile number at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Um, prof, before we dive into the nitty gritty of the budget, you know what were your overall or initial impressions of that forty one point two billion allocation?
1: Yeah, Actually, um, the increase from $36.3 billion to billion, $41.2 billion for Budget 2024 is something that uh, is uh, very good and mm-hmm. um, it really shows that the government is concerned about our health system. And uh, furthermore, we are uh, at the stage of uh, post-COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. A lot of things need to be done to steer the health system so that it will be back in the um, uh, in, in the way that it will help to solve a lot of our health issues. The budget shows the current attitude of the government towards uh, people, especially the poor and vulnerable group, which was actually being addressed quite extensively mm-hmm. in this November budget for 2024.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So if we look at that 13.5% increase or $4.9 if we talk about numbers, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's the biggest percentage of increase we've seen in about nine years. What would this increase cover or is it actually in line with the inflation in prices for items such as medicines and consumables?
1: Well, this is the largest increase in the budget so far that we have seen, especially um, uh, the last five years. Mm. And as you know, that our general inflation is expected to be between 26 to uh, 3.6%. And uh, if you look at medical inflation, uh, people are saying that it's probably about uh, uh, 13%. Uh, this is uh, uh, figures that have been uh, looked at overall, including drugs and also other uh, uh, medical consumables. Mm-hmm. So 13.5% incre- uh, increase would just be enough mm-hmm. to cover the medical inflation. But having said that, we must uh, also uh, recognize that there are different types of medicine, different types of interventions that are available mm-hmm. and we really look at the the price increase of certain drugs and also certain uh, consumables is uh, much much higher than the general medical inflation. So we really have to uh, look at it carefully and make sure that the budget are given are closely monitored so that we can we should only be. Take care into account uh, drugs and also consumables that are able to change and improve health status of the population.
0: Mm. The key here is not having any wastage, right, Prof?
1: Yeah. Okay. That is very, um, uh, very important for us to to look at. But I want to also to comment regarding the increase in the budget. Mm-hmm. If you look at the budget increase, uh, the major increase is basically on the uh, development budget. Mm. Uh, the uh, operational budget not much uh, not much increase. In fact, the in case of percentage, wise it will be uh, uh, decreased. If you look at the uh, there is a thirteen percent increase in the uh, in the uh, development budget, mm-hmm. but the operational expenditure uh, increased by about uh, uh, four billion. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the overall percentage of um, uh, the operational budget versus the development budget. In, uh, in fact, the, the operational budget reduced by 85% mm-hmm. uh, compared to 7 percent in terms of the total uh, budget for, for last year. And uh, we are also concerned about the budget for public health. Uh, if you look at public health budget last year, the, uh, the budget for public health was actually 13.7%. Uh, uh, the, the last year was actually, uh, and and uh, this year, if you look at uh, this year, it's 13.7%. Last year was 15.1%. So there's a decrease about 1.4% in terms of the percentage worth. Although the, the quantum is increased, but the proportion is, is a bit lower than that. So I think uh, we need to streamline to make sure that a lot of um, more money will flow into public health for preventive services rather than focusing too much on the curative services, which is uh, um, in terms of long term, it will not have a good impact on the population.
0: Mm. Um. Speaking of the development expenditure, um. You know, you mentioned that we saw a significant increase. Um. For that, you know, it's six point zero seven billion. Um. In in quantum. Um. There also seems to be much focus in the budget uh, announcement when it comes to improving and building new health healthcare facilities. Um. Across the country, things like upgrading um, hospital facilities, KKS, building new wings for hospitals. What does this focus signal to you,
1: Prof? Yeah. If you look at the uh, development budget, uh, increase in development budget, and if you look at in detail what it actually entails, mm-hmm. uh, it involves building of one new hospital. I think one of the teaching hospital will be built, one cancer center, and also other three healthcare facilities. Mm-hmm. But the amount of development budget was allocated for health center is much smaller, which is about only $150 million. Mm-hmm. And that will cover five uh, new health centers. I think this is too small. Again, uh, we must uh, um, uh, make sure that uh, we are not building too many hospitals. In fact, uh, uh, we should be focusing more on the primary care facilities. And there is another $300 which is allocated by the government to uh, improve the services and also to uh, build uh, and repair 400 debilitated clinics. I think this is a good move. Uh, so I think uh, again, we would uh, really appreciate if the government uh, give more focus on the primary care services, which is the main uh, place where people will have the first contact in healthcare services. And that's very important aspect. A lot of preventive services are provided by the health centers and the clinics, and these need to be uh, to be uh, supported in long term.
0: Mm. So, let's go from primary care to addressing NCDs as well, right? Because as you mentioned, you want to see better focus when it comes to public health. How well do you think this current budget addresses NCDs? Considering we saw, um, just to name a couple of things, we saw $130 million allocated to the Agenda National Malaysia Sehat and for other um, disease prevention activities, including screenings, vaccinations. Um do you think that is sufficient to address the, the the growing epidemic of NCDs in Malaysia?
1: Yeah obviously this is not this is not uh, sufficient because if we look at the overall um, budget for preventive services is quite small. 150 million was actually allocated and as we saw what is given in, uh, what was actually presented in the parliament, uh, it, it covers uh, some of the uh, vaccination program. Mm-hmm. Uh, for pregnant mothers. This is a new program. I suppose this will be a Tdap vaccine, uh, which will address issues of pertussis uh, among children, but given to the pregnant mothers. That is good. The other good thing that was addressed, not directly related to the Agenda National Malaysia Sehat, is regarding the tax on sugar, sugar, uh, sugary drinks. Mm. It was increased from 40 cents to 50 cents. I think this is quite good especially if the money that can be uh, collected from this is uh, given back to Ministry of Health to run preventive program. Mm. But other uh, easy prevention program like screening and all that has not been clearly spelled out in the in the budget. I was looking at the possibility of increasing more budget for uh, screening for breast cancer, for example. More accessibility will be given uh, to people to have a mammogram check on a regular basis and also screening of uh, new uh, uh, Cancer disease that are, that are coming up in the population, especially uh, colorectal cancer. But mm-hmm. it was not achieving interest, uh, directly. I don't know how they're going to via across this uh, 130 million allocated for uh, Agenda Malaysian, uh, Malaysia Sihat, But I hope that um, uh, this is used wisely. And in the future, we have to increase this quantum.
0: Mm. Um, speaking of the uh, increase of excise duty on the sugar sweetened beverages, which you mentioned, Prof, you know, the the Prime Minister did say that this would be earmarked for treatment and management of diabetes, including supporting um, dialysis centres. Um, is there anything else that you think could be added to this to better address um, our problem with diabetes, especially, for example? Mm
1: yeah apart from diabetes um, uh, which is one of the concern in malaysia one in five of our population suffer from from diabetes and this is relates to uh, obesity and of course sugary mm-hmm. drinks are uh, one of the uh, important factor that leads to a high level of obesity and malaysia is now one of the country highest at least in this region for overweight and obesity i think this is a major uh, major issues the other thing that i was thinking about uh, uh, for preventive services mm-hmm. apart from the sugary drinks is probably to look at the salt uh, con- salt consumption, I think sodium consumption uh, in food products. For example, in bread, in the uh, other uh, uh, food, other food that contain uh, salt. For example, this needs to be controlled. In many countries, there are, there are mechanisms to control the level of sodium, and mm-hmm. this is one of the is that we can use. Sodium is very important because uh, uh, if you have high intake of sodium, will have a, a, a link to cardiovascular diseases, mm-hmm. hypertension about a third of our population suffer from hypertension. So I think this is important that we can uh, try to uh, improve this so that it will not uh, affect this. The other thing is that... uh, control of um, uh, food with high content of fat. uh, Mm. And that's also the thing that we should do because quite a big portion of our population have a very high uh, uh, level of cholesterol, hypercholesterolemia, which is one of the risk factor for cardiovascular diseases. So these are among the things that I think uh, probably uh, should be included in the budget in the future. But in this current budget, it was not addressed. This was not addressed uh, uh, directly.
0: Mm, all right, we'll go for a quick break now, Prof, and continue this discussion when we come back on the show. With me today is Professor Datto Dr. Dr. Mohammed Al Aljunid, Professor of Health Economics, Policy, and Management at IMU. We are talking. We are breaking down the health allocations in Budget Twenty Twenty Four. Keep it here on Health and Living BFM eighty nine point nine. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget Twenty Twenty Four Special, brought to you by Marsing. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Massing. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Limsu. And joining me on the show today via Zoom is Professor Dr. Said Muhammad Al Junaid, Professor of Health Economics, Policy and Management at IMU. He's also on the ex co of the Public Health Specialist Association, Malaysia. We are breaking down the allocations for health in budget 2024. Um, health this year as well received the second largest allocation under the budget. And so we're sort of going through some of the broad themes that are so, uh, highlighted through the items that have been been announced in the Prime Minister's um, budget tabling last last week. Um, Prof, interestingly, there was mentioned of 200 million, of our, uh, which will be earmarked for outsourcing of patients from MOH hospitals to military, university and private hospitals. To what extent do you see this um, addressing overcrowding and long waiting times in our public hospitals? And how do we ensure that this 200 million is used in a way that it doesn't affect quality of patient care?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting that this is included uh, in this uh, budget this year. I think the government uh, uh, recognised the issues of uh, people having problems to access services in public facilities mm. and uh, the need to actually formalise the referral and outsourcing of minist- of MOH uh, services to other hospitals, especially private hospitals, mm-hmm. university hospitals and others. I think uh, uh, $200 million, although it is uh, quite small, but I think this is a good start. Mm-hmm. But we must make sure that this money is used wisely. There are many ways actually this uh, uh, should be uh, carried out. Uh, by the way, this is actually one of the things that are mentioned in the uh, health white paper. That's right. Where we, we want uh, more public and private uh, cooperation uh, in terms of uh, services and to start with, in our soft services, the important thing is that although two hundred million is quite small, we must make sure that we use it efficiently. So, um, uh, in health financing uh, uh, sort of views, we always think that these, uh, uh, when we purchase services from uh, other vendors outside of health, we must use a strategic purchasing mechanism. In a way that when we purchase the services, we must look at the outcome. So you the, the, must look at the outcome and evaluate the value for money. Those that can provide good outcome from uh, the services that are being outsourced to them, then they should be given the chance to actually participate and provide the services. So I think uh, this is a very good move. And um, we really hope that the government will be able to uh, implement strategic purchasing so that we can purchase services from uh, providers that are going to provide good outcome to the population and and also uh, will be able to formalize this relationship. And this will be uh, one way to move this further in the future with a bigger allocation in the subsequent budget.
0: Hmm. And speaking of um, bringing in private, um, the private sector, there was also $100 million given for the Madani Medical Scheme and that's where um, people can go to private GPs and, and, and um, force a, a list of certain um, health issues. Is that sufficient for the Madani Medical Scheme to be expanded nationwide as has been planned by the Ministry of Health?
1: If you look at the report, um, the scheme probatan madani uh, additional resource of hundred million mm-hmm. uh, would be able to cover seven hundred people, mm-hmm. uh, seven hundred thousand people uh, scheme. If you look at what the reports have uh, been pr- provided for the previous years, I think uh, there are about <clears throat> and more than hundred thousand people, uh, more hundred twenty thousand people were. Uh, benefited from this scheme. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the overall um, uh, household uh, und- uh, number under the B40 group, there are about uh, 2.9 million household, which is equivalent to 12 million people. And um, only 6% of this group, uh, of this B40 group, are benefited from the scheme. Obviously, 100 million will not be enough. And the other thing is that not only the coverage is not adequate, but also the type of services that are covered by the scheme are still very, um, very superficial, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, it covers cough and cold, running nose, uh, it, uh, diarrhea, for example. But other things like uh, uh, chronic non communicable diseases are not covered, which cover which probably nearly about 30 40% of the population uh, suffer, especially uh, those in the uh, B40 group. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, um, uh, we need to extend this further and then move this towards uh, uh, Scheme Prabhatan Badani to become the uh, social insurance scheme for the poor and that will be able to cover all the 2.9 million uh, household. and this is the good example that we can follow like uh, being carried out in Indonesia and also in, uh, in, in Thailand. They cover all the B40 group and then um, it covers not only the um, minor condition but also includes in that inpatient services as well. So 100 million obviously is not enough. It's just enough to cover uh, simple illnesses and also subgroup of people within uh, B40 that are eligible. But obviously, the coverage is quite small. Mm -hmm. And then the depth of the services given was also not uh, not adequate. Furthermore, um, there were studies which had been carried out that uh, nearly about uh, two-thirds of the um, GPs are not very interested to join this scheme Mm -hmm. for two reasons. The first reason is that they felt that the scheme is very uh, difficult to enroll. They have difficulty to enroll into the scheme. And secondly, the reimbursement rate that are paid by the government for the scheme is still not attractive enough for GPs to participate. I think this needs to be addressed, but obviously we need uh, more uh, money to cover if you want to actually uh, increase the reimbursement rate but the process uh, for people to for GPs to join the scheme need also to be simplified so that um, more GPs were able to provide the services to the needed population.
0: Hmm. If all those changes are able to be implemented Prof do you think that this sort of um, public-private partnership through the scheme, uh, scheme uh, Perubatan Madani is that sustainable in the long run?
1: it is not sustainable in long run in long run because the money is very limited and secondly mm-hmm. the coverage is only for the uh, for the outpatient i would say this is only the uh, the start for a proper uh, national health financing scheme i was mm-hmm. hoping that uh, through this scheme later on we should expand to cover all the poor people mm-hmm. and then subsequently cover everybody in the profession through the national health fund i think uh, mm-hmm. Uh, in this budget this was not been addressed so so we have to actually move towards that to to establish a proper national health financing scheme. We need to establish a national health fund where the resources can be actually uh, 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 combined from whatever funding that we already have for health in EPF and also in soxo plus contribution from people who are eligible to and have the uh, can afford to pay for the premium. I think in long run, the modern uh, scheme perubatan money need to be converted into a proper national health financing scheme that will able to provide much broader uh, uh, coverage of the population and also much deeper services covering inpatient and also outpatient services.
0: Mm. All right. Let's talk about IT uh, for a bit, Prof Syed. You know IT gets an earmarked allocation of 150 million um how in uh, and, and, and this is on top of um under the operational expenditure where information and communication technology also was allocated 327 million for 2024 which is a huge more than 200% increase from 96 million in 2023 um how do you think this allocation can be used wisely considering we really have a long overdue need for electronic medical records in our public health care
1: yeah, I think we we understand that um, uh, IT in health is really a necessity now. Uh, most countries have moved uh, much faster than us. Mm-hmm. Although we started uh, uh, the issue, the the idea of having telehealth, telemedicine, back in the uh, in the late nineties, but it was not it was not actually done in systematic manner, and many of the uh, IT project in many of the hospital has been stalled. Uh, including one of the uh, uh, paperless Hospital in in Malaysia, which was our proud uh, uh, project before, which was not actually now in operation. Mm-hmm. So I think $150 million allocated for uh, for IT and health might be just a start. Uh, we need to actually make sure that um, we uh, get a proper vendor. To actually manage the system, and then uh, I would also uh, like to see that more open source systems are being implemented, which is much cheaper in long run. Otherwise, we'll keep keep on paying the uh, licensing fees for a long, long time, and that will not be sustainable in long term. I think uh, this is really timely. We need to relook at all the uh, IT. Uh, IT system that have been implemented before, revive them and make sure that we will have at least a, a good electronic medical record in all the uh, public hospitals. This will actually make sure that people uh, ensure that people be able to access the services anywhere they uh, they go, and uh, it will actually improve health status of the population.
0: Mm. And from a financial perspective, Prof, how would having a seamless electronic medical records also help prevent wastage, duplication, things like that?
1: Yeah, at the moment, uh, when people go to different facilities uh, and then they they seek healthcare, sometimes there is no good communication between Mm -hmm. one provider and the provider. So a lot of the tests has been repeated and then sometimes drugs taken or prescribed by one particular uh, provider may not be transmitted uh, to the other providers, and uh, drugs may be re-prescribed, and this leads to a lot of duplication of the services. So uh, if we have a good IT system that actually have a seamless connection between uh, the various providers, this will actually help to reduce the unnecessary services and help people to be uh, better uh, managed uh, because uh, information will be more uh, uh, readily available by people to actually help to improve the services and provide services to the population, we really need this actually, and and uh, this need to be has been implemented in many many countries, but Malaysia is still lagging behind.
0: Mm. Alright, let's talk about some missed opportunities. We've touched on um, absences in some of the themes we discussed earlier, things like NCD, primary care. Um, healthcare financing is one of um, the, the topics that's close to your heart, Prof Side. How would you have liked to see the budget address this, considering we didn't see mention of um, reforms of health financing in this budget?
1: Yeah, that was the, the 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 thing which is really missing in this particular thing not really not missing at all in terms of that but there is a scheme madani but it is only touched superficially mm-hmm. but we were hoping uh, in this uh, in this budget that there we higher tax being imposed on uh, cigarettes as well as, as well as vape but this was not touched uh, at all mm-hmm. what was uh, being put up as a new budget is for chewing uh, smokeless tobacco. Yes. This is actually a very small uh, group of people, mostly the elderly, that are actually chewing the cigarette. It will not actually help us to uh, to uh, to improve or the uh, re- reduce the uh, the prevalence of smoking in the country. At the moment, prevalence of smoking is quite standard at around 21, 21%, mm-hmm. and we are concerned with the uh, teenage teenagers that are actually uh, using e-cigarettes and also vape. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NHMS 2022, uh, it was shown that the rate of uh, vaping increased from 9.8% in 2017 to nearly about 15%, 14.9% in 2022. And vaping prevalence among uh, teenagers is 23% among male and 6.2% among female. This is very a big issue. I think uh, putting a uh, uh, a tax on uh, chewing or smokeless tobacco well is not the right thing that we should we should do. We are, we are not focusing on the on the on the main issue. We should actually increase tax on the cigarette and also probably increase tax on the vape liquid. At the moment that the, the vape liquid and also the gel, the liquid uh, the nicotine gel was actually taxed at 40 cents uh, mm. per, per mil. I think this needs to be increased significantly. Uh, apart from other control mechanism that we need to be uh, to put in place so i think uh, that was actually the missing part that i I was hoping that uh, it was addressed in the budget but it was not actually being touched upon clearly apart from the health financing issues that we have mentioned earlier on.
0: Mm. Um, what about um, the retaining of healthcare workers? We keep talking about brain drain. We have been talking about the issue of contract um, healthcare workers for years and years and years. Prof, how can budget allocation have been earmarked to plug this hole?
1: Well, budget allocation would be able to provide um, uh, some money for Ministry of Health to employ people into the system, but this will not solve all the issues because Mm. basically we need to have a total reform of our health system to enable uh, uh, doctors and also train healthcare personnel to be appointed directly by the hospitals and also by the providers. In that way, we need the hospital to be uh, uh, autonomous. We need to reorganise our health system so that people will not have to depend on the posts uh, created by uh, civil service department whenever they want to be employed in MOH. I think uh, uh, it needs a broader reform in Mm terms of the... Um, uh, human resource management and uh, overall reform that health system are still required if we really want to solve this problem. Basically,
0: mm. um, Dr. Kelvin Yi actually had tweeted that there was uh, a 1.5 billion allocation for additional emoluments, um, and that this was likely for extra permanent positions to address the contract worker issues. But I guess, what would you like to see, Prof, in unequivocal terms to ensure that? this allocation will actually go to potential permanent positions or um, what would you also like to see coming and, and what would you also like to see coming out from the wage review that's actually happening for all healthcare workers?
1: Yeah, I was um, I was looking at the posture, uh, possibility that MOH will use the allocation wisely, in order to uh, attract more uh, health workers to work in of health, and then to uh, to uh, address the issues of uh, under services uh, in the by the medical doctors in the uh, rural area, of course. This has to be done properly, mm-hmm. and um, it will not be enough to solve all this problem, But at least we will be able to uh, reduce the waiting list of uh, doctors that have been trained to come into the uh, into the system and to provide the services. I think it's a good it's a good start, uh, uh, but I think a lot more need to be done in this area.
0: Mm. Um. If we could also touch on a couple more things, Prof, you know, uh, I saw people mentioning that ageing was sort of somewhat there, but not quite also in the budget. What did you think of the focus on cash assistance for older adults and and funding towards care institutions and centres? Is this enough to address that silver tsunami that we keep talking about?
1: Uh, I think um, I I I support this budget because uh, at least the government put some effort within mm. the overall economic constraint that we are facing to mm-hmm. take care of the age. I think aging can and and uh, is a major uh, challenges uh, going to we are going to face in the future. Uh, we need more support. Of course, the support may not be necessarily related directly related to health, but a lot of social support. This needs to be done. And I think uh, government is trying their best uh, uh, to do that. But giving cash uh, uh, to the uh, elderly population, that will not be enough because uh, in the future, uh, healthcare needs will be much more increased uh, once we have a more and more aged population. Mm. I think the overall system have to be, have to be uh, revamped in the future.
0: <clears throat> um what about mental health prof because we did see that there is money allocated for the National Center of Excellence for Mental Health but where does that that 24.6 million actually need to go if we want to address the problem of mental health issues among our population
1: Yeah mental health is one of the non-communicable diseases that we see uh, coming up quite mm-hmm. um, uh, significantly and we are also uh, bracing with the issues of um, post COVID mental health and post COVID uh, um, uh, long COVID is one of the uh, issues that are actually uh, uh, being uh, merged together in the challenges that we are facing. We need more of this, but of course, Uh, Mental health, the best uh, alternative is actually to provide the services at the primary care level. Mm. I think uh, a lot of people at the primary care level should be trained and a lot of community uh, work regarding support to people and to family with uh, um, a mentally um, uh, challenged uh, uh, population. And this needs to be uh, sorted out in a very comprehensive manner. Uh, It's not enough, the amount that is allocated, but it's a good start again.
0: Mm. Um, to round up our discussion today, Prof. You know you were also quite heavily involved in the health white paper that has been um, in the works for the past couple of years. That has been um, passed yeah. in Parliament. Overall, is Budget Twenty Twenty Four enough investment in health in line with that four pillars of reform that were listed in the health white paper?
1: Yeah, the four pillars of the health white paper is quite uh, comprehensive. It mm-hmm. covers the whole. Uh, reform of the health sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the uh, pillar one on transforming healthcare delivery inside uh, that uh, particular uh, focus is actually to increase effect, uh, effective relationship and partnership with public and private. Mm-hmm. This is to certain certain issues has been addressed by some money allocated for outsourcing of the services. Mm-hmm. And also inside this pillar one, we talk about uh, to harness the digital technology some money was allocated for the uh, digitalization and auto IT services in the hospitals and also in health facilities, I think that is a good start. Mm -hmm. So part of the issues in pillar one has been uh, sorted out, although other things, for example, uh, autonomous hospital optimizing the hospital services, this has not been able to be fully um, uh, addressed by uh, the budget for 2024. Uh, For pillar number two, which looks at health promotion and prevention, I think uh, um, we are a bit concerned because the public health budget in terms of percentage-wise was reduced from 15% to 13.7%. I think uh, uh, we need to refocus uh, further uh, to make sure that a lot more resources are given so that finally... Um, the amount of resources that goes into the preventive services would increase uh, from now 15%, uh, 15%, for example, to nearly about 30 to 40%, mm-hmm. so that more incentive can be uh, given uh, to the population, to the providers to provide uh, preventive services uh, in order to uh, reduce the prevalence of chronic non-communicable diseases. Pillar number three on financing, I think this is partly being um, uh, addressed by, uh, by Scheme Perubatan Madani. Mm-hmm. It, is not, it is not adequate. But at least, uh, and the other thing regarding uh, uh, Pillar 3 is that uh, in the proposal, it was stated that we would like to see at least 5% of GDP allocated for uh, for public health services. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, uh, we are talking about 2.4% 2. 2. of the GDP. And uh, this is uh, uh, still uh, very far from the target, of course. Of uh, for pillar number three we're talking about 15 to 20 years time it's a good start with the scheme Madini, but in long term we must move it into a proper national health financing scheme uh, pillar number four we touched on the uh, governance and also reform on the role of moh this has not been addressed maybe because uh it is a one-year kind of a budget uh, mm-hmm. in long term this be done. I want to go back to pillar uh, pillar number three regarding uh, the health financing. I think one thing that has not been touched aloud, uh, touched at all, is regarding the establishment of the National Health Financing Act. This is required uh, before we can actually uh, reorganize the system to uh, to launch a proper health financing scheme in the future. It might take some time for us to prepare the act, and this need to be started from now.
0: Mm. But the whole idea is the health white paper should be our our guiding document, right, for all for this budget and future yeah. budgets.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you and I think that com- this comprehensive uh, document which has been approved in Parliament uh, in uh, June this year should become the guiding uh, principle for us to see our health system to move in a proper direction uh, in the future.
0: Alright, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Prof. Thank you. I've been speaking Thank to Prof. Dr. Dr. Said Muhammad al Professor of Health Economics, Policy and Management at IMU. He's also on the Exco for the Public Health Specialist Association Malaysia and we've been breaking down the health allocations from Budget 2024. I'm Nim Suen and this has been Health and Living BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2024 special was brought to you by Ma Singh. Reinvent spaces, enhance life.